0: Morning guys. Man, how many of you slept like a rock last night? How many of you slept like it felt like you were sleeping on a rock last night? Right? It's just like, whoa, I don't know. Sometimes you get out of like that comfy bed at home and for some of us like, man, I'm away. There's no stress and others like, are you kidding me? This is like crazy out here. So this is Duncan. Everybody say good morning, Duncan. Morning, everybody. So we are. uh, We're just going to unpack just real short before we head out today. Uh, I, I asked you a question at the end of our little get together last night, and the question was simply this: Is your home a home worth running home to? And and for some of you, I hope you were able to check a box and go, you know what? Yeah, our home is that kind of home. It's not perfect by any means. But I think our home is a home worth running home to. And for others of you, you might have started thinking like, "Mm, I'm not so sure, and and what does that look like? And and this morning, we just wanted to take a couple minutes and maybe unpack this this idea as we talk about 18 summers of what maybe one of the foundations of that home can look like. And it's what we simply call a family-first, God-first leadership home. Uh, super simple, super simple. So so there was a story. There was a story when Jesus was a young boy. And and, and I love this story because it's going to tie into a story that Jesus told in just a moment. But when he was 12 years old, when he was like a teenager, right? He was just a kid. There, there was this story about his parents, his mom and dad, taking him down, and probably his brothers and sisters as well, down to the temple, down to worship. They took him to church Now, this wasn't like church across the street or across town. This was church all the way down in Jerusalem. And from where they lived, this was like 70 miles. They did not Uber. They walked. So for them, going to church, going to celebrate at the temple was like a big, big deal. So they made their way down, and they celebrated at the temple. And it was so cool because there's this little phrase at the end of Luke chapter 2 that simply says this. And they went to the temple as usual like it was normal for them like this is what they did as a family they would go to church they would they would honor God it was family first God first in their family and so Jesus when he grew up before he became the son of God at first he was the son of Joseph he had a dad he had a dad that God said, look, I'm going to entrust my son to this family, to Joseph and Mary, that they will raise our son, my son, not only to be a carpenter, or a construction worker, or a contractor, but eventually somebody who will change the entire world as the Messiah and as our Savior. And so a little bit later, Jesus gets a group together, and it might have been a group just like this, and they were on the side of the Sea of Galilee. And they're hanging out, and Jesus is teaching, and we call it today the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, at the end of chapter 7, at the end of this get-together, at the end of their dirt experience, Jesus says this. He says, I want to tell you one last story. He says, if you listen to my words, and if you put my words into play, you are like a wise contractor, a wise construction worker, a wise builder. You are building on a solid foundation. But if you don't, then you're like a foolish builder. And when those storms come and those winds and those floodwaters come, it will decimate everything in its path, because the foundation was a foundation of sand. I'm reminded of this every time we go down to our home in Baja. We're we're on the Sea of Cortez, just south of San Felipe. And in San Felipe, there's a lot of construction projects going on. And there's one in particular that always catches my attention when we drive past it. It's this high rise on the beach in Mexico. And for fifteen years it has sat there because it was built on sand. And they know nobody will ever inhabit this structure because this is built on a weak sand foundation. And Duncan I was kind of thinking, you're kind of like our verify check fact checker up here today. Yep. And and how how would this family first, God first foundation. How would that play out in our family when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's really three things we we're talking about um, that I, that I kind of wanted to share uh, this morning. And and so the first would be, uh, I think what would be maybe expected of this conversation, it was that Sundays was, was the day that we went to church. And uh, growing up that way, it wasn't ever, hey, are we going to go to church today? It was we're going to church. And, and for quite a while, actually, church was in our home. And so it was like, all right, I've got to wake up and, you know, put all my toys away and stuff. because That was convenient, though. It was convenient. I, I tried not to wear pajamas too often. But, um, but it just became one of those things where, where Sundays was, hey, we're, we're helping around church. We're getting up for church. And it wasn't ever a question. It's just what we did. It was, all right, let's go. Let's get this going. Um, the second thing would be we, we always did as, as a family. We always had family time, and so for us there was uh, there was really just three questions that was asked every time, and it was, "What is God doing in your life? Uh, how can how can we be praying for one another?" And exactly, and it was really just it was just hanging out, spending time together. And again, these are these are things that were just it's what we did. It was Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings, and we'd we'd hang out as a family. And uh, and then the third thing was that it wasn't. Strictly just Sundays. It wasn't okay. Sunday, we're gonna check this box. We're gonna go to church. We're gonna spend time with our families. It was. It was throughout the week. It was in our daily stuff that's going on. You know, when we get home from school or get home from work, and um, just making sure that we're all together. We're all you know enjoying each other's company and spending time together. And so, anyways, I think kind of the the, the component of family first, God first, and leadership is it was just part of everyday life we didn't have to separate it into a different box that said
0: okay we've done that let's check the box and move on so yeah and for us we would always talk about how our sundays impact our mondays right it's just it's just a part of the foundation the fabric of our lives and and what that looks like and and as we go back to the story of the father right and the sons that we talked about last night i think one of the reasons it was a home worth running home to was because that boy knew that for 18 summers, his father had poured into the life of their family. He he showed them a leadership and a leadership style and, and a foundation of what it looked like to build family, to build upon this God foundation, not as a separate piece, not as a box to check, but just as their everyday life. And so this son, as far off as he wandered, knew that if I can come back to this place and to this time, and to this family, we're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And, and I was reminded, too, in, the, in this story, that when, when that young man, when he had hit rock bottom, when he had nowhere else to turn, when, when he went to that pig farmer and said, look, can I just feed your pigs? And when he came to his senses and when he realized You know what? I can do better than this. I've got a family that I know cares about me. I've got a family that loves me. And I know I have a family that I can return to, that I can run home to. Another day, Jesus was walking through a town, and there was this little guy, this little squatty body tax collector who was up in a tree, a sycamore tree. And uh, and if you've been around church world for any length of time, you know that his name was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was coming through town, and so he climbs up into this tree because he was a little guy, and, and he's looking down, and here comes the Jesus parade into town. And he looks down, he says, here he comes, Jesus is coming. And as a tax collector, and Matthew knew this as well, nobody liked tax collectors. We still don't like tax collectors today. Nothing has changed. So here is little Zacchaeus up in this tree, and he's looking down, and the Jesus parade is coming through. And he's up there going, there he is. There's the guy that everybody is talking about. There is Jesus, the son of God, the son of Joseph and Mary. And Jesus does the most remarkable thing. And I, and I love this part of the story because this is who Jesus is. As Jesus and the Jesus parader are, are making their way down the street, all of a sudden he stops. And he looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, what's going on? And I think Zacchaeus probably almost fell out of the tree at that moment. Like, are you kidding me? Like Jesus has stopped and he's like calling me out right now. He, he sees me. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, get down here, come here. And Zacchaeus like like scampers down this tree and and he runs over to Jesus and he likes, whoa, you're Jesus. And he says, I am. And Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus was like, whoa, honey, get some lunch ready. Jesus is coming to our house. And she's like, oh, don't do this to me. Do not do this!" No, no, it's okay. Jesus said it's fine. He says, the house can be a mess. It's cool. He just wants to come and meet our family. Now, Zacchaeus, part of the reason nobody liked him is because he was a tax collector. And most tax collectors during this time would take a little bit and they would throw it into their pocket and they would keep some for themselves. And everybody knew that was the game. This was Zacchaeus, despised, nobody liked him, this little dude. And now Jesus is coming to his house. And Jesus gets there and, hello, ma'am, these must be the kids. How's everybody doing? And they're just like, whoa, we're with Jesus. Like, this is so cool. They were probably taking photos. They were posting on social media, like, you can't even believe this, right? It was, like, so amazing. But at the end of the story, and what I love about this story, is Zacchaeus did not start off as this guy that was like, I've got a heart for God and a heart for people. Oh, no, 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 no. He was the guy that said, how could I take advantage of people? How can I use people? God, you stay over in your box, and I'm going to do my thing over here in my box. And now Jesus is standing in his home. And one of the things we know about Jesus is people, unlike Jesus, like Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were unlike him. It's why Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. He told it because there were those people, those religious, the religious elite who looked at Jesus and said, "Mm mm-mm. You should not hang out with these types of people. And I think every time Jesus heard those words, he just smiled and goes, Why do you think I'm here? They're the exact reason I'm here, is to hang out with them, because I want them to know our loving, heavenly Father. At the end of the story of Zacchaeus's story that we see this little snapshot of in the scriptures, Luke says that Zacchaeus and his entire household put their faith in Jesus and they all got baptized. And it goes on a little further to say, and if there was anybody that Zacchaeus had cheated, hello, anybody, like a lot of people, that Zacchaeus went out of his way to pay them back four times what he took from them. Like there was such a change in Zacchaeus' life and in his family's life because of Jesus. And the reason I wanted to bring up that story this morning is because it is never too late to start over. And, and, and as we're dads, as we're sitting out here, it's like, man, there, there's some stuff like, like in our past that we're like, we're not super proud of. My hand goes up. And maybe as, as sons that we're sitting out here and we're going, mm, man, there's some times I have stepped in it royally. There's some stuff I'm not really proud of. Maybe there's some relationships that we're living in right now that we're kind of going, wow. What does a family-first, God-first leadership foundation even look like in my life to make a difference in the lives of those that I am in contact with? And it's what I love about Jesus and it's what we're gonna talk about just a little bit more tonight. But this impact and this idea that you and I from generation to generation can make a difference in the lives of those around us should never be lost. And it is never, ever, ever too late. And sometimes that responsibility gets a little bit heavy. And tonight we're going to talk about what God does to answer that question. But Duncan, I want, I want to go back to you for a second and ask, as you have grown up around Hume Lake, like since you were a little dude, I remember, bro, when I would be up on stage speaking, and you would bust loose for mom in the back row, and you'd come like, I just want to be up with dad hanging out, right? You've been around it for so long, but when you think about generation to generation, when you think about family first, God first leadership, you've got a daughter, our first granddaughter, our first grandchild. How does that impact you? Well, what I think is great is up until that
1: moment, you may not be thinking about that, but all of a sudden, you know, we, we're there at the hospital. We've been, you know, preparing as much as you can for the for the last nine months, and you're thinking about, you know, you're thinking about how it's all going to go, and then you're holding it for the first time, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "All right, like it's your turn. Like you got to step up. You this is now." Your responsibility, as you said, generation to generation and so what I think is is really cool is, is the way that we had our, our family and the way that I was raised is now these things are, are ingrained in, in who I am and these things that are that are they're not questions they're not um, you know should we do this should we do that? Uh, our, our daughter's going to grow up to know Jesus and she's going to be in a family that it's part of the everyday life as i was mentioning earlier and uh yeah as, as it gets as it gets passed along it's like i i want with these 18 summers as we've mentioned i want now i have 17 left <clears throat> i want it to be a, an experience for her that she grew up similar to how i did and that uh jesus is not a separate box and and our relationship with god is not Something, as I said earlier, that you just kind of check. It's, it's every day. It's, it's part of your conversations, and, and it's, just, it's all intertwined in one. And uh, it's just the way that, that, that I was raised, that we're excited to be able to bring uh, her up as well, which is, is, is terrifying, the, 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 hmm. the, the responsibility and knowing you know, you're responsible for this. But it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that we're very excited to uh, be able to now take what we've learned a-
0: into her life as well. So. And that God picked you to raise her. He did. Yeah. He did, yeah. (laughs) Like, that's awesome. You know, as a teacher, I I work, I I used to teach uh, college level, and then I was like, eh, and then I taught high school level, and that was really cool, but but I went to our administration one day, and I said, can I teach junior high, which nobody ever says in their right mind, and they looked at me kind of like, we're like, dude, like, you want to teach junior high? I said, yeah, why? And I said, here's why. I said, even by high school, there is so much influence that has already been in their lives that I want to move downstream just a little bit where there's a little more opportunity to impact the lives of these, these young students, these guys and these gals for Jesus. And my, my wife, who teaches second grade, in fact, she, she'll come home someday and she'll go, I don't know where these kids even get this stuff. Like some of the stuff they're talking about, second graders. It's like, wow. And and one of the questions that I ask parents oftentimes when we have those little parents meetings or, or I'll share with our church family, it's who's raising your kids? Somebody is. And it could be a little screen raising your kids or it could be family first, God first leadership in your home. Somebody's raising your kids. Somebody is influencing Your kids. Dude, come up and just preach. Just preach. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I'll tell you, it's so crazy because I have students, junior high, seventh and eighth grade students who are addicted to their screens. And they know there are no phones in the classroom. And I know... And they know every time that little vibrate hits because all of a sudden they're gone. They're like, what is going on on my little screen right now? What do I need to know? What am I missing out on right now? Who's raising our kids? I want to close when we go back to the story of Jesus as a 12 year old and where they were there at church as usual. There was no conflict with kicking a ball or throwing a ball or hitting a ball. There was no conflict with other things that were going on. They knew God took top drawer. He was the foundation of everything else. And I say that as a coach, and I say that as somebody who has coached my kids, my daughter and my son, since they were little people. But at the end of that story, when it says that they were at the temple as usual. Do you remember what happened when they started to boogie home? They, they started to head back for home, and, and usually they would travel caravan style. They would travel with family and friends, and, and maybe it was groups like this, and there was safety ride in numbers. And it says they, they were they were a couple days out, and all of a sudden Mary looks at Joseph and goes, Uh oh. Everybody say, Uh oh. Where is Jesus? Where's our boy? Where's our son? He's 12 years old for crying out loud. Joseph, what have you done? Me, what have you done, Mom? Come on, like, what's going on? They checked around with all the family members that were traveling with him. He is nowhere. So you can begin to feel the panic. You can begin to feel the heartbeat. And Joseph and Mary's like, we have lost Jesus. This is not good. Like, God is watching right now, like, hello, would you go find my son as well? So they head back to Jerusalem. And guess where they found Jesus? (laughs) And here's what Jesus said. Why were you worried? Don't you know that I was in my father's house? And then he looked up at his mom and dad and said, mom and dad. I'm right where I belong. Good job, mom. Good job, dad. It's all good. I'm right where I belong. So when we talk about building a home worth running home to, it starts with by building a family first, God first foundation. And as we see in the story of Zacchaeus, it is never, ever, ever too late to begin that part of the journey. And Jesus is calling right now. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for dirt. Thank you for these guys. Thank you for the Jasons and the Chucks and everybody, Father, for all the hard work that goes into this so that we can just take a moment and hear your heart and what it looks like to build a home worth running home to. And Father, as we consider, even today as we're out having fun, boogieing around, Father, and playing, and just having a great time, grandpas and sons and grandsons and everybody involved today, Father, I just ask you'll just be with us. And help us to just muse over and mull over what it looks like to build that kind of home. And Father, for all of these dudes that have done just an unbelievable, not perfect, but unbelievable job, Father, would you just show them the blessing of what that looks like as they're building this 18 summers? And Father, for for those sons that are out here and they're even wondering what their future looks like, Father, would you affirm in their hearts as well the foundation from generation to generation that has been placed in their lives. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for sending your son to us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.